Welcome to another edition of the Seattle Seahawks podcast, where the only thing we have more fans than is the Miami Dolphins. And welcome to the inaugural episode of the Seahawks Nest for the 2016 Seattle Seahawks season. I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck. With me is Kevin Garber. That's right. You are the man. Brett Hancock. I am surprised you guys let me come back. I only come back for the important episodes. Welcome back, and thank you for being the man. And, of course, our good friend, Nathan Santo. Uh, yeah, just uh, over here, you know, freaking out about, like, accidentally clicking things and trying to make sure everyone's audio sounds good, uh, because we, this is our first four-man cast. We did a bunch of three-man casts to practice in the off-season. Now, oh, we are back in regular season form with four in the... In the hole. I don't even... What? That sounds gross. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just going to treat that like it was a golf reference and move on. Okay, not a LaShawn McCoy party reference? No. <laughs> <laughs> Better enough of those during the quick shots. All right, gentlemen, let's get right into the roster cuts uh, moving into the season here. We are down to the 53-man roster. Opening things up, we got a question from uh, Jason in Auburn. He was really shocked by the cutting of Mr. Tremaine Pope. Is this a big, bad cut that this guy thinks it is? What do you, what do you have to say about this? Uh, Alex Collins was the favorite to make the roster the whole time, and Troy Man Pope had to really, really outplay him. And he just outplayed him by a little bit. And that's not, that was not enough. Collins had the lead the whole time, and, uh, he never really did anything to relinquish that. Pope was great, and I really think the team wanted to sneak him onto the practice squad. But hopefully he gets a good shot to play at the Jets. His story is awesome, and he's a good, he seems like a good football player. You know, if the Seahawks needed a return man and we didn't have Tyler Lockett, I think Troy Main Pope would be on our roster right 100%, now. 100%. I agree. But the fact of the matter is we have Lockett and we have a better special teams than we did. And Alex Collins has a lot of potential as a one-cut-and-go back. He has way more potential as a running back than Troy Main Pope. He's complete. So, exactly. Alex Collins, can, Alex Collins can do everything you want a running back to do. Tremaine Pope is, is, he's working on it. And so he's a work, he would have been a work in progress. Another thing too, if Tremaine Pope could have long snapped, he would have made the team. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Tremaine Pope, I think is playing at his ability. He's getting the most out of that body that he can. I think Collins has more. And when you're talking about your fourth running back, that high ceiling is going to play a factor. For sure. Uh, I, Brett, but, any, any, you're going to miss Tremaine Pope? I don't, it wasn't surprising. There was only one spot available because it wasn't going to be Rawls, Michael, or Prosis. So yeah. I'm not sure. Once, yeah, once Rawls didn't make the pup list, too, that was yep. another path he had to make it onto the roster was Rawls getting onto the pup list. Once Rawls is like, no, he'll be back in the first two or three weeks, right. it, that's it. Your, your, your path to the roster kind of got cut off. The wide receivers was a little bit surprising, too. Did we get a question about that, Eric, or can I just roll into it? Roll into it, man. All right. The wide receivers is a little bit surprising. I, I'm surprised Tanner McAvoy made it over Kenny Lawler. Uh, do you think that it's because he might be able to flex into a little bit of tight end play? Or what, what, what do you think is going on here? I think if you look at uh, all the players we picked up at the end when we grabbed two safeties and at the players that we kept, I think this was a heavily special teams influenced decision because McAvoy is a really solid special teamer. And, you know, we talked about it on the Hawks Nest during the preseason. If Lawler couldn't make a bigger contribution on special teams, he probably didn't have a spot. You know, he tried it. He didn't look comfortable. He wasn't really able to contribute right away. And it's not like he's gone. Kenny Waller, we snuck him onto the practice squad. You know, he's still he's still around. So it could be a it could just maybe be one year of development he needs to become a more complete football player. He doesn't have he's way he's way skinny, man. Yeah. It's like freaky skinny. Like dude, he's gotta put some muscle on and get bigger if yeah, he he's wants like to stick around. He's like actually Lee Narrow right now. <laughs> yeah, he's so <laughs> small. 
I wasn't I wasn't shocked by Lawler getting cut. I was a little surprised, but not disappointed. I just think, yeah. like we we said, we kind of called it on the podcast. Also, keeping four tight ends is interesting. Do you think that was purely because Jimmy Graham's hurt? Yeah, and uh, Wilson, Nick Vanette's hurt. Wilson's kind of Wilson, Vanette, and Graham are all kind of dinged up, and somebody's got to play tight end. So if if Wilson's not ready to go totally, or and Vanette and Graham are definitely not going to be ready to go week one. Yeah, Brandon Williams is going to play. I was going to play a lot. I was really just more surprised Tukuafu. That that really threw me for a loop for some reason. I don't know. I really saw him making the team. Yeah, apparently we're going with no fullback. Um, you know, unless uh, I I heard well, both Williams and Vanette can line up. Well, Tanella Tupo Tupo. Well, Tukuafu or now Tanella Tupo. I cannot say this name, dude. Tony Tupo. Yeah, yeah. The, the defensive tackle slash he could play fullback too. The guy out of UW. If we really need a fullback, he's going to be in there playing fullback. I just think, yeah, you're right. They're going to run more out of two tight end sets with one running back. Uh, if they can afford it. But, yeah, the, the guy whose name I can't say, for some reason, he'll play fullback some, too. And we had no surprises keeping, or I'm sorry, getting rid of Jake Heap. Heaps? No. no. Uh, two, Trevon Boykin every, played his way into the spot. And everyone, everyone keeps two quarterbacks unless they have a rookie they're trying to stash. And Jake Heaps is not a rookie we're trying to stash. Do you guys think that, before we move on to the defense, do you think the Seahawks started that? I'm not trying to be like, we started this. But, you know, it used to be keep three quarterbacks on your roster at all time, and then Pete Carroll just started keeping two. Yeah, I think it was. I think we were I feel like we're innovators. Teams. Yeah, it's a place you can save a roster spot. If you use three quarterbacks in one game, you're not winning that game anyway. Yeah. Like, that's a fact. <laughs> so what's the point of keeping three quarterbacks on your roster? You know, you just keep one. You keep a guy in the practice squad. You keep two guys in the start, and you keep a veteran on your phone on your speed dial. You know, and then, I, I do have one other person I want to talk about though. Go for it. Uh, and that's uh, we kept George Fant at tackle. Yep. And a lot sure of people did. are talking about that because he looked like. Hot garbage. The first two <laughs> games of the preseason. And here's the crazy thing, though. Go back and watch the games three and four of the preseason, you know, if you're the kind of person like me who will do that. And the fact of the matter is he actually looked like a functioning tackle against second stringers, which is a massive improvement. And that's all this coaching staff keeps talking about. This is a guy who played college basketball. He played one season of college football after his senior year, and it was running at tight end for the most part. Yeah, and six. then he came in and got picked up as an offensive tackle. So what you're seeing is an extremely raw player, and they're saying there's no way he to make it through the practice squad. Yeah, George Fant is 6'5", 296, and is, as he just keeps pack, he'll pack muscle on, man. You're just going to watch. That guy's going to get bigger and bigger. And he's, yeah, he, he has the, the physical tools. It's going to be, can he put it all together and become a complete football player? Do you think Soul or Webb is going to start at tackle in week one? I think uh, Soul's probably going to get the start. Uh, Webb had a really rough game for especially. Yeah, he just he does not look great, and I know we have no tackle depth, but he's it scares me having him out there, Webb, if, if that's the way they decide to go. One more issue about the offense, and then we'll cut to defense. Anyone surprised by the cutting, releasing of Jari Evans? Brett? Nope. His, he looked like he was wearing cement shoes out there. It was like, it was like a, he was the, he was slower than Britt, man. Like, I don't know what other <laughs> to say, dude. He's, he's just very slow and it, you know, guys get old in the NFL and they get old fast and it happened to Browner and it happened to Evans. So that's where we're at with hey, those Eric, Does Jari Evans play tackle? Well, that's his position. He plays guard, right? He plays guard. Yep, we didn't need him then. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> right. Our guards are good. It's funny, he is, he is listed as tackle, but then he had to, yeah, he went to guard. Uh, Riso Diombo was the right person to keep, and Riso Diombo looks like a future starter, 
And yeah, it's going to be Marcus Webb can back up both guard and tackle. It's going to be this year develop Odiambo into uh, into a starting guard, get a Fetty uh, adjusted to the NFL, so next year we can kick him out to right tackle, and hopefully that will kind of set our offensive line for the next. I don't know how long. Our offensive line is young and good. If that happens, I think I'm just happy yeah. that the uh, is Tom Cable a genius or. Maybe not, and totally trash. Mystery continues. It seems like this is a debate like every single year for the first like half of a season, and then it's the like, oh well. The no. interior of our line is great, and we will be good at running the ball. Yeah, but pa- pa- outside pass rush is going to be a problem with Gary Gilliam and Jamarcus Webb and Bradley Saul. That's just there's no way around it. Outside pass rush is going to be a problem. You'll be really good at though. We're really good at stopping the run. The interior of our defensive line. Man, I'm so glad we kept Tony McDaniel McDaniel. because he came in, short up the middle of that defense. You know, Jordan Hill showed a little bit in 2014, and he just has to be able to make the field again. And suddenly we have this stout interior defensive line to go with all these pass rushers we've been collecting. Let's let's pour a 40 out right now, though, live on the air for Jordan Hill back on the IR, man. That sucks. I want that guy to get on the field because when he is on the field, he is so great. That's a resettlement for that guy. It's... That's he is uh, injured, waved. That's just like that sucks. That sucks that that's the, where it went for him because I, I he has a ton of he has a ton of potential. He does, but I mean, uh, at a, but I mean, at a position where we've seen the kind of impact that it has for our rush ends and for having you know some fresh bodies that can spell Bennett when he has to play there. I mean, most of the DTs are pretty young, right? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, Ruben's older. Well, but McDaniels. And McDaniels older, but Jerron <laughs> Reed's young. Ron Justin Reed's Hamilton's young. young. And Quentin Jefferson's a DE and a DT. He's really young, and I'm in love with this dude. And Justin Hamilton didn't make the team. It's Jeff Quentin Jefferson made the team. Garrison Smith, uh, Frank Clark. Those are the backups. Anyway, does it, those are the eight guys that made it. The But... Tony McDaniel, Breed, and Ruben is a great three-man rotation for the middle, and Bennett, Clark, and Averill are a great three-man rotation for the outside, and that's really what you need. You just need six guys, and then Garrison Smith and Quentin Jefferson are there to provide, I don't know, bodies that are warm. Are you guys ready for the hot take question of we, the defense? We cut a guy and picked a guy up, didn't we? Garrison Smith. Oh. That's like a new move. Okay. A new uh, move as of today. It's So we cut Hamilton and picked up a... Uh, Garrison Smith. Yeah. Oh, I missed that one. Here it is. I'll Google this guy. So Breaking can, news on. We can, we can bring <laughs> from the Seahawks. This is nest. great radio right yeah. here. I'm so glad we're doing this. Yeah, I like to think that our listeners go. don't prefer sports radio. Okay, we we added defensive tackle Garrison Smith, who was cut by. Oh gosh, I don't know. I think he. We waved Justin Hamilton to make room for Smith. Smith came from the 49ers. <laughs> A stout <laughs> defensive crew. Yo, here's the thing. We've actually had pretty good luck picking up players that they cast off. Yeah, so maybe I'm good. okay with this. Uh, yeah, so Garrison Smith will... Uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about him, to be honest with you. I just, I'm just i looking at the depth chart currently. That's that's where I'm Yo, getting here's my Here's the thing. I wasn't that impressed with Hamilton either. Um, when he was in there, our he run was, stuff okay. wasn't great until McDaniel came along in week two, and suddenly that unit looked better. So okay. He was like the Earl so Thomas starting, of the D-line. Starting linebackers look like they'll be Morgan Wagner and Wright with uh, Cassius Marsh spelling outside linebackers and defensive ends, kind of playing that flexible position, and Brock Coyle helping out in the middle. Kevin Pierre-Lewis made the team, so obviously he's made the mental turn that he needed to. And he's a great special teams guy, and if, again, that's a focus, he's a good person to have on there. A dude with like 4-4 speed at linebacker size is a missile to put on special teams. All right, Kevin, we kept Therald Simon. Are you disappointed? <laughs> I am disappointed. I'm very disappointed. But here's the thing. Like, we kept 
what was it? We kept 12 defensive backs. We picked up a crapload of safeties. And here's my thought. We kept 11, yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, Here's my thought on Mike Morgan, though. So Morgan. I, I think we have Mike Morgan at linebacker, but we're going to be playing so much nickel, and we're going to play a lot of that stout nickel with like Deshaun Kelsey Shedd McRae and Deshaun Shed yeah. and people like that playing like an interior spot because that nickel blitz was just beautiful. I think that that's why our roster construction looks the way it does. Yeah, we're at the point where Kelsey McRae has to see the field, right? Even with Chancellor and Thomas healthy. I think like that we're you can do there. some things, yeah. All right, yeah. we trade. We wait, also wait, traded wait. for one new safety that I don't know anything about. So someone tell me, who is Dewey McDonald? He came from the Raiders. The man with the cutest name on the Seahawks. Yeah, it's a it's a seventh round conditional draft pick if conditions are met. So wow, what's the condition? Have a dope name? Yeah, I was like. going to say Dewey McDonald. Pretty cool. Uh, the, uh, DeAndre Elliott, Kevin. What do you uh, do? You do you know anything about this? Uh, he's a free agent, undrafted free agent. Uh, from Colorado, Colorado State, State. Yeah. he's a uh, tall, long-armed. He's the kind of guy that we like, and he really played his way into that position in Game Four. Cool. Um, you know, he had a solid preseason because he beat out Burley, who did not clear waivers. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Burley can't play on the outside. Elliot can develop into a guy that can. Cool. What and do you think, Eric? Uh, actually, you know, I'm I'm more concerned with the. I want to address the. Uh, issue of Bruce Irvin leaving one final time. Okay. Are we going to miss him? Are we not going to miss him? Because we don't have a linebacker. I don't see Morgan rushing the quarterback like Bruce Irvin did. Is Morgan and can Morgan what also about, pick up in coverage like Bruce Irvin did last year? What about Cassius Marsh? Do you think that replaces some of that kind of flexible linebacker defensive end production that we got from Bruce Irvin last I year? I love Cassius Marsh. My thing is and I know we rotate everyone, we rotate Michael Bennett but I just feel, are we getting Bruce Irvin out of two guys, or do we have enough yeah. some it, Bruce Irvin is it a, little, a lot of the time? It's a little aggressive to keep only one backup at each front seven position and keep like tons of safeties and cornerbacks for sure. Yeah. I agree with that. I think Frank Clark is, could be 80% of the Bruce Irvin okay. that you see, Garrett. Okay. I, th- I think that's their plan. I think you're the- also going to see a change in the way that our defense plays that's going to do away with a lot of the job Bruce Irvin occupied. And also, yay, Tyvis Powell. I'm really proud of you. Oh, man, I love I'm Tyvis so glad Powell. that you made it. <laughs> so, Tyvis was a, Powell is awesome. I wasn't, I was a little surprised by that. Really, really relieved, though. Yeah. I was, yeah. I'm happy oh, about no, it. I, I couldn't be more I, thrilled. I was happy about it. I thought that spot was going to go to like a sixth wide receiver or maybe another offensive lineman because we didn't keep very many offensive linemen either. Uh, so we could probably could have kept another interior defensive lineman, but I think maybe, you know, they were down to like Tyvis Powell or, the guard that we cut, uh, Jari Evans, Evans, and they yeah. were like, they were like, uh, let's just keep the extra corner, the extra guy who actually could be good someday. Well, and that's the other thing. I think the big thing that saved Powell is that Powell can play corner. Yeah, he can play corner and safety and special teams, and he's six foot three and two hundred over two hundred pounds. Yeah, who, who doesn't you know like versatility? You, you, can't really. te- you can't teach that, Eric. <laughs> six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds, and you, you can't, can't teach an extra you inch. Can't that. Teach that. You can tease an extra inch, but you can't teach an extra inch. And uh, this to live by truly from uh, Kevin Garver. <laughs> Are you guys scared about Nolan Freeze? I, I mean, it's weird we spent a draft pick on a. Well, we never spent a draft pick, but we went out and made an effort to get a long snapper. At least his back hasn't given out yet, like that one dude we drafted in the fifth round under uh, under Holmgren. And I just don't. I don't. Oh, name? I do not think the the long snapping did not look awesome. Who is our Who is our long snapper? Clint Gresham. 
Yeah, Clint Gresham. Uh, but he was making literally twice as much money. Yep. That's why we moved on. Clint and Clint Gresham, everyone's sending him tweets and stuff saying like, we love you, Clint. And Clint Gresham was a really good long snapper, but you can't pay like the veteran minimum to a long snapper. It's especially, like too much money. Especially this year. Like, it seems like this roster is basically like, hey, if these are our only 52 guys, 52, 51, like we're yeah. ready to win the Super Bowl. Cause like top to bottom, they're just, it's just, it's just crazy. That and as much as people want to talk about the special teams and, um, issues making plays on special teams, Part of that is Clint Gresham could snap the ball, but that's really his only skill on a football yes. field. Yes. He could not help make a tackle or corral anyone or anything. And if you're only going to long snap, you probably have to make basically no money. You have to make the exact league minimum. Yep. Poor Clint Gresham. So, gentlemen, may now... He, may he rest in, uh, in peace. In, in, in possible practice. Hopefully he has a piece. really good job that, you know, he set up probably his first $1.5 and hopefully he can make it the rest of the way. <laughs> Can is he? There's no room for him anywhere. Anywhere here to come back at, at a lower volume of money. Clint no, Gresham, veterans minimum for him is the problem. Yeah, it's because he forget about the, that he, rule. There's like a there's like a salary scale they yeah. move up. You know, rookie minimum and veteran minimum. So like he's he his minimum amount he could make is way more than Nolan Freeze makes. If I was on, if I was Clint Gresham, I would just be like, well, I'm just gonna hang out. If Freeze gets hurt, I know I'll get a call. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not worried about. And it. we have the cap room. We can bring yeah. him in if Freeze dies or something. He could just lie about his age like a Dominican baseball product, prospect. Yeah, I'm not Clint Gresham. I'm Clint Gresham. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, let's move on to the 2016 NFL regular season. Our Seattle Seahawks host the wonderful... Wait, we're hosting, aren't we, Brett? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, don't look. Sorry. Don't don't wave that off. I will me. be closer to Miami than I will Seattle. I was going to say the man with the man with the man with the tickets. Like, no, no. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead. We're we're hosting the. Dan Marino-less Miami Dolphins this Sunday, because bad news Miami, Dan Marino will not be there ruining uh, the Final Kingdom game. We we host Ryan Tannehill and the Miami Dolphins. Gentlemen, what do you look for in this game? Right now there's so many Dolphins fans with Alzheimer's going, what? Uh, okay, two things about the Dolphins. Okay, I'm going to go two things okay. that are interesting about the Dolphins. Okay, actually, no, three. One, their offensive line, or their defensive line is awesome. They, Cameron Wake. They're, they're Cameron Wake, Nana Kong Su, and Mario Williams. What was the second name? Not, sorry, Donkey Kong Su. Thank you. And then uh, the left side of their offensive line is really good. Uh, Brandon Albert, Laramie Tunsil, and Mike Pouncey is a great left side of your offensive line. Uh, they will be able to run left uh, at some on some level. And uh, Ryan Tannehill really sucks, and I hate him. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that too? That's right. The strong? only quarterback you believe in less than Andy Dalton. Hey, they did not follow our our thing of only keeping two quarterbacks. They kept three, and one of them is Matt Moore. Can you oh, got? Yeah, coming man, back. We have not seen Matt Moore in ages. The other one is Brandon Doughty, which is like a West seventh rounder out of Western Kentucky. Uh, I don't really uh, care much for Tannehill, and I think it, that Miami should shit or get off the pot and like stop trying to roll him out there. He's we have a big sample size, and I know it's like everyone's like, "Oh, but it's different coaches." And you think one of them would have had like a really great season of Ryan Tannehill at this point? I mean, it's different coaches, and the head coach is the dude who was uh, being carried by Peyton Manning for what all but one of his time as an OC. I mean, like, what's he going to bring to the table that you know, like Tannehill is going to be able to shine with? Yeah, but that one time that he wasn't being carried, quote unquote, by Peyton Manning, he lit a fire under the tire that is Jay Cutler's oh, career. That, yeah, that's true. How could I forget about that one? So, <laughs> okay. hey, I career, mean, career win loss record twenty nine and thirty five. He's thrown, uh, he's 
thrown 54 interceptions over four years, and he gets sacked more than anyone in the NFL over that same period. Is he Drew Bledsoe? No. All right. It's not then, Drew Bledsoe, dude. Then he's getting sacked too much, and uh, he's, yeah. He's Ryan Tannehill. He completed 62% of his passes last year. Now, oh, what about uh, the 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 subtraction of Lamar Miller, the loss of Lamar Miller to the Houston Texans? They're replacing him with Arian Foster. He's going to play a few snaps at least before he gets injured, right? Maybe. They Maybe. Got, they got, he's uh, made it through some practices. They, got Boise State, they also got Boise State legend, Jay... Uh, Ajay. This is, this is me, another name I don't know how to say. Nothing instills <laughs> confidence in me like Boise State product into the NFL. There's just such a long line of... Uh, what wow. about that tackle that played for uh, Denver all those years that got so hurt by the end of his career he could barely play anymore? The yeah. left tackle? That guy was okay. How about uh, Doug that's, Martin? That's it. Doug Martin. Doug, Doug Martin went to Boise State? Yes. Yeah, right. he did. Doug Martin's out. Oh, I don't know. One player. Okay. Honestly, though, Arian Foster, he when he's healthy, he's a monster back, and we are good at shutting down backs. But is there any, any concern that, and I know Nathan's going to laugh at this, that Ryan Tannehill comes out and manages a game well with Earl, a balanced attack. Nope. Earl Thomas is the exact kind of safety that a guy like Ryan Tannehill can't handle nope. because uh, Richard Sherman's great at baiting you. So he's already being told, don't throw it to Sherman's guy. And then you have Earl Thomas who just shows up magically out of nowhere and ruins quarterback's days. Yeah. And Tannehill is just not a polished enough passer. He's going to make a couple of mistakes. I think if he has a big day, it's going to have to involve his legs a lot. And it's going to have to involve, uh, you know, if uh, Jordan Cameron can have a good day at tight end, maybe that's a way that they, that they could burn him. Uh, Arian Foster can catch a ball out of the backfield. It's definitely not going to be on plays to wide receivers. What about when we play Carolina? Greg Olson. Carolina used Greg Olson to attack Earl Thomas. Kind of took Thomas out of his game a little bit. Do you see the Miami Dolphins able to do this at all with Cameron Jordan? Jordan, Jordan Cameron, Cameron is, thank you. <laughs> it's got two first. Uh, Ricky Bobby is. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> um, they, they have Jordan Cameron host or they have a tight end? They have someone else who's. It doesn't matter, I suppose. Do you see the Dolphins maybe trying to emulate that style and, and I hope they do. Do something. Because I, I don't think. A, I don't think that that's a strategy that will always work against Earl Thomas. Agreed. And B, Jordan Cameron is not the tight end that Greg Olson is. And Tannehill is, is not the quarterback. So, yeah. yeah. They hey, can try. But the left side of their line is really good. It has Brandon Albert, Larry Tunsil, and Mike Pouncey. You know, here's the thing. You know, you mentioned their defensive line. And, yeah, Donkey Gonsu is powerful and everything. Uh, Cameron Wake is getting older and can't stay on the field as much. And Mario Williams has quickly turned into a big gassy, like loser. You know, he's got a he, lot to prove though. He is now the uh, what's the center for, from the Rockets? Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon? No, Yao Ming. <laughs> Yao Ming. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. <laughs> Jesus, do we have to do a time portal? Well, what, what you I, I don't 20, know what Brett was doing, but I was trying to make a joke. Twenty-five years of Houston Rockets centers. <laughs> he is on. the Dwight Howard let's, of the NFL right be, now. Let's be clear, though. I mean, he's two only two, like one season removed from having 14 and a half sacks. And he gets to play with a much better defensive line. I mean, it wouldn't I be... still don't think that you can count on this. I think this is a bigger name than productivity. It would not be stunning if an early season marginally talented defensive line wrecked havoc on a Seahawks offense. That would not be shocking. But, eh, you know, 
It should it shouldn't be enough to change. Here's the, game. the problem: their seen, defensive like, we, line is great. They're gonna get a few sacks because the we can't handle outside rush super great. But their defense isn't really impressive anywhere else. They're gonna start at outside cornerback Byron Maxwell, and that's not the oh. that's not the Direct TV Byron Maxwell that we had. This that's is, Comcast Byron Maxwell, you know the one that the Eagles had last year. And it's not great. Byron Maxwell went from being one of the best cornerbacks in the league by Pro Football Focus's ratings and all their metrics and stuff to being one of the worst <laughs> cornerbacks in the league. And it's just happened over one year. And what was the difference? Oh, yeah. It's that he doesn't get to play with Earl, Earl Thomas, Thomas anymore. Yeah. He went from 2014 to Brent, Brent Grimes to 2015 Brent Grimes' wife <laughs> <laughs> in one year. Oh, man. All right, so uh, are we ready for picks in this game? For uh, no, we're not no? ready. What? I have so much more I want oh, to talk about. Nathan, go. Okay. I Okay, let's talk about this. Okay. They, are we going for kickers? <laughs> let's go deep on uh, Andrew Franks. No, I don't want to go deep on Andrew Franks, although I do think their special teams is kind of a weird weakness. Uh, Matt Dar and Andrew Franks are really unproven. And their team doesn't have a lot of depth for Jarvis as as coverage units. Throwing Jarvis Landry out there on punt and kick returns is pretty stupid since pretty he's dangerous. probably their most talented offensive player, at, especially once Arian Foster gets hurt. Uh, so <laughs> Play two. The, the, the other thing is is that this team is like, when you when you construct a roster like this, they they have a lot of really highly paid players coupled up with a bunch of guys that don't make any money because they so it's like the old stars and scrub strategy you know we're gonna have a very expensive Nottam Kong Su Cameron Wake Mario Williams offensive line so we can have and then we're gonna start Jelani Jenkins and Koa Misi at uh, outside linebacker and it's like okay that's not a great idea you know you have to have some balance on your defense and you can get away maybe with having one subpar unit on your on your team Right, you maybe like some, but they have a bunch of subpar units. The linebackers are not great. The secondary is not great. You know, you're starting Tony Tippett, and Byron Maxwell at cornerback. Like, there are problems. This is this is a problem. You know, so I don't like the way Miami has constructed this roster by just throwing money at giant, the best guy that they could possibly get, and getting them to come down here, and then letting everything else just fall by the wayside. That's a silly idea. Yeah, that about deep- Mike Wallace. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, dude. I actually like their wide receivers. I think Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, and Kenny Stills is a good young receiving core. It is. Kenny Stills is young? Kenny Stills? Two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Kenny Stills is 24. Are you kidding? You're kidding. He's been in the league for like nine years. Yeah, I just just went to the R Lads page. He has four years of NFL experience, though. So, yeah, he has been around. He must have came... He must have come out early and been young when he came out. Yeah, I was going to no say, kidding. when he hit 34, did he lose 10 years? That's that's a good deal. <laughs> he, was in that he, he stole my, uh, oh, my Clint Gresham plan. Yeah, he was in, the, he was in, the, uh, he was in that machine from The Princess Bride. Yeah. So they took like 10 years off his life. There you life. go. There you go. Miracle Max had to bring him back to life. <laughs> Here's the thing. like Basically, like you said, that defensive line has to get elite level pressure on every single snap. And that's from some over-the-hill guys. Everyone is over 30. Yeah, like, let's I mean, just let's just yeah. throw it out there. Except for Don Adam Kong Su, everyone is over thirty. Yeah, and so like they're not going to get elite pressure on every snap with that. And so you're looking at you know, or I guess uh, they have Kiko Alonso, right? Kiko Alonso is pretty good. And so Kiko Alonso is going to have to be everything he was pre-injury. No, he's going to have to be like more than everything he was pre-injury. He's going to have to be 
Because he's going to have to cover for everyone. He's going to have to be the guy who was traded for LaShawn McCoy. Like, do you think that he's not going to have to try to cover up for Isa Abdul Quiddis from Fordham University? Like, this is the kind of players they're rolling out there as starting safeties. Like, I just... You're going to eat yeah. so much crow if Giddis gets, like, three sacks yeah. in this game. <laughs> Esau Abdul-Quiddis is going to go for two sacks, a fumble forced, and an interception just to shut me up, right? And then you're going to be wavering Russell, that Dolphins Russell defense. Wilson's going to throw on these guys, and Doug Baldwin's going to have a hell of a game. I I don't understand how they stop going to have a hell of a game. Tyler Lockett's going to get you. behind this. Tyler Lockett's going to play this it's, game behind this You guys defense. remember the first game of the preseason when we came out, no huddle, and he threw to Doug Baldwin three times in a row in yep. like less than a second? Yep. That is what the offense is going to look like this Monday. That's exactly Or this Sunday. Sorry. How, like, and then it's just going to be a lot of runs. To, like, it's going to be a lot of runs right at Cameron Wake's face. Well, I mean, they're gonna what they're going to do is they're going to run the read option, and they're going to make Cameron Wake play standing up and choose. And that's not how he should be playing. That's no. not the ideal use of Cameron Wake. And they don't have the linebackers to help him out. No. It would be stunning if they didn't try what? and emulate the last half. Not a of big Coamisi fan. Uh, I don't think he can quite handle Russell Wilson's level of uh, read option. Yeah, watch out! Watch out for the read option in this game. It's going to be brutal because it, it just attack it. It nullifies these defensive ends on the run plays. And, and then watch for it turning into like boot passes. And you know who could have a really big game if he can get on the field is P. Rich. If Paul Richardson oh. can get healthy enough to get on the field, like if you have speed, this is why we this, this defensive back, like they're gonna basically have to put someone back like a punt returner on every play just to be able to make the tackle after these yeah, deep but ass this throws. Is, Paul Richardson is why we have like five wide receivers on the practice squad. Yes, because yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. Remember, I hate to say, it. I hate to curse it, a guy like that, but it, it just happens every year. If it doesn't, though. Oh, it's going to be how great. Good, how good will this oh, it's offense be? be? Great. Yeah. Here's the thing, and I feel really bad saying this, but that one year he puts it together, man, we should trade him for something good. I know, right? <laughs> because it'll never happen again, but yeah. we'll just have that shining beacon on the mantle. Well, Nathan brought up, uh, both you and Kevin and Nathan both brought up the read option. They didn't show us that in the preseason. It's almost like an old friend we forgot about it. That's you know, you don't want your quarterback getting killed. Well, exactly. The yeah, yeah. We know why, but it's it's gonna be like an old friend coming back, and I can't wait for it. I mean, that's, that is our offense. Is the read option is almost impossible to prepare for because you get to play eleven on eleven when you when you run the read option. It's not like a normal running play where you run ten on eleven because the quarterback is basically not involved in the play at all. The quarterback takes the defensive end out of the play completely by reading the defensive end. So he looks that defensive end in the eye. He sees where he's playing. Is he gonna? Is he playing the quarterback or is he crashing in on the running back? And whatever that defensive end chooses, the running back reacts to that. And now we're playing 11-on-11 11 11 because it's like – I'm not saying that the quarterback actually blocked the defensive end, but it's like he blocked the defensive end. He occupied him. Because he's mm-hmm. making him do something that he wouldn't normally do. Well, if you look at teams like – you remember San Francisco was trying to emulate that with Colin Kaepernick, and other teams realized, you know what, we don't have to worry about this. We can just make sure he doesn't run because we want Colin Kaepernick to pass. Other teams do not want Russell Wilson to pass. No, as people and, will say, like, oh, not he's, outside he's just the pocket either. Yeah, no, he's just a running quarterback. That time has passed. Yeah, Everyone knows yeah. how good Russell Wilson is. Yeah, yeah. Com- outside of this podcast, he completed sixty-six percent of his passes last year. The secret's out. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. it should be. Yeah. Defensive coordinators for sure know across the league. You know, here's the other thing to watch for, though, and that is there are two things that Daryl Bevel loves more than anything else, more than his children, more than his wife, more than infuriating Eric Ronnebeck. Those two things are first down runs up the middle into the heart of the defense, and oh God, he's gonna bubble screens s- uh, to wide receivers with bad run after catch. No, and those are the two things 
that he loves. This and team does not have the blocking wide receivers to run a bubble screen. I'm just tired of it. Can we just give up? I know that he loves that play because it's basically a run that goes to a wide receiver, but I'm just so tired of watching, you know, Doug Baldwin catch the ball and fall two yards forward. I don't... And forward should yeah. never, ever get a bubble screen ever he's, on any uh, team, he's, ever. He's going to, though. You know he will, Kevin. And so that's what I love about what Nate they'll just run, said. They'll run that Jermaine Curse play. You know which one I'm talking about. The one they run where they pass it to him and he has to break the tackle. You yes. know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I hate that play. Yeah. I'm going to call you guys from Florida when when Jermaine Curse gets the first. Why didn't that go to CJ Process screen of the game? Just yeah, like, why? Look, it, look, it's happening again. CJ Process, if we're going to run dumb plays like that, which... Yeah, he should get the ball. CJ Process should be the guy out there. Because it should those go are, to Process or it should go to Tyler Lockett. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. Yep. The, because those are the kind of plays you run to get your... I don't want to call Process a gadget player because I hate that term. How about playmakers but in like, space? But those gadget <laughs> players that like need to get the ball in weird ways because it's hard to get them the ball... Like Percy Harvin is a great example of this. And this is why Percy Harvin's not in the NFL anymore because it's just too hard to get him the ball in the modern NFL. But that's where you use those players. The thing that sucks is if you put Procise out there, they're gunning for that play. That's very obvious yeah. what you're probably going to do. Here's the thing, though. At least Procise has shown he can chip block and he can take a run to the outside. So at least there's a couple of plays that he could possibly be making. And so I think it's going to be important for this team to establish that early in the season so that the other teams have to respect that when they bring him in. The other teams need to treat him like more like a Fred Jackson than a Percy Harvin if this is going to work in our offense. All right, Eric. Now I think we're ready. Now we're ready for the picks. Gentlemen, who would like to go for You know what, Brett? Oh, Welcome you. back. Thank you. Big Please. event, Brett. Big event, Brett. Give us this pick for this game. I thought you were going to do all that and then give it to somebody else. Uh, yeah. That would have been great. No. I would not have been surprised. Not in week one. I'm surprised I'm still here. Maybe you in week guys two. didn't throw me out the window. Um, 27-2 Seahawks. Whoa. Brett Wait, the they safety. only get the safety. Nice. First of all, you're giving them a safety, which kind of hurts. It'll be, it'll be on. it's a brutal win. It, it'll be on Christine Michael. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> he'll get some, he'll get some meaningless, like. He'll hey, get look. devil run up the gut on yeah, right, right, right. Kept, You know what, Brett, though? I'm going to go against you on this because I think Kristen Michael is a much smarter football player than we've seen. It's I feel like he spent the offseason studying or something because he seems so much better on the field just overall than he used to be. He's a new person. That's why they put that SR on there. He's now a senior in high school. He went back for his GT. <laughs> I agree. I have immensely selfish reasons that Thomas Rawls gets like 45 touches a game for the entire year, so that's all I'm saying. It's, man, forget you and your dynasty. Christine either. Michael's good, though. Yeah. Kristen Michael, whatever. Uh, so, all right, I'll go next. And I think the Seahawks are going to uh, win this one pretty handily. 31-13 uh, Seahawks. I have this as a 34-13 game Seahawks. But, as I've said before to you gentlemen, I believe that the Dolphins will have a seven-point lead at some point in this game. Early. Uh, this team strikes me as a very 2013 team where the first half, it doesn't seem like things are going super our way. But what's happening is the style of play oh, no. is going to wear down another team. The adjustment. So, You're going back with the the Pete Carroll, the old Pete Carroll adjustments. Yep. The Third quarter speech. come out throw in like <laughs> you know uh, two touchdown drives and a field goal first three drives of the second half type thing. We're going to go into halftime up like seventeen thirteen and go on to win like forty two. <laughs> To 16. 17. <laughs> yeah. It's going to okay. be, it's going to be one of those games. Uh, what, what does Pete Carroll put in their halftime stuff? This is like a recurring theme though. The team plays so much better after halftime. Part of it's a style of play. When we really have that tough defensive front 
and that really physical mauling offensive line, which for a little while we had that uh, in the Super Bowl year because Unger was very physical in the middle, and we talked about for a long time we had a Okun was a good run blocking left tackle. You're making me excited though because Britt's going to bring that. that Britt's going to bring that, and it's going to be gnarly in the middle. And Glowinski is a nasty dude, and Afedi is willing to mix it up with the best of them, Monster. and so. I think this is going to be a mauling run team that is going to, especially like an older defense like this. Are we going to bottle up Donkey Kong Sue? You think that's a that's a thing that's about to happen? Uh, I think Donkey Kong Sue is going to get run on. That's that's like exciting because if this team can run on Donkey Kong, like that's a big that's a big step forward from something that we might not have been able to do last year, especially without Marshawn Lynch, Brett. And uh, building on Kevin's point, even if run to set up the pass is like the oldest hot take in the NFL book, like for us. You, I feel like when that hot take was developed, there was no Russell Wilson, right? Like if we can run as well as Kevin is, uh, you know, uh, predicting, like it's over. Like that's you, when we just roll up on teams by fifty. Our running matter. game this year is the tenderizer hammer, <laughs> and it's going to soften <laughs> up like that, that defensive front, and then all of a sudden it's going to be these beautiful big chunks of yards on these plays. That's how this team is set up to play, and that's how I also think. Between that and that run pass option, or the uh, or the zone read plays, that's what's going to keep that edge rush at bay. And I think that's the recipe to this team being the best team in the NFC. I was telling a friend last year as to address Nate's question about what Pete Carroll does at halftime. The first few plays on offense and even on defense, I mean, we don't want to let them score, but offense we're very much feeling out their defense, and we're we're just keeping things that. Kind of like no matter what you get at the poker table, you're folding. You're folding. And when you when you look at us on defense, we're not allowing points. But you can tell Earl Thomas is just like, I was telling my friend this last year, like he just lets the team do what they're going to do to an extent, and then he clamps down. That entire secondary clamps down in the second half. It's got to be a theme for the entire team. It's It's got to be what Pete preaches to them. It's like Edgar Martinez taking the first pitch. There you go. All right, so you guys know last year we had the the hypothetical question, but this year every podcast has their thing, you know. And ours has been the hypothetical question for a long time, and you know some some they drink an IPA and they talk about it, or some they do stuff like that. But I have a new Seahawks uh, nest tradition to, to christen our new name and a new season. Are you guys ready? I did not. I will tell every listener. I did not tell them shit about no. this so this is a total surprise One. and i can tell brett is worried i'm not kevin is pants. mildly excited and eric is very excited <laughs> <laughs> absolutely one nickel in the swear jar two can't wait okay so our new tradition every week we're gonna spend the last five minutes of the podcast discussing a movie that is awesomely bad <laughs> and i knew these guys would love this and the week one movie is blood sport Ooh. Oh. The, the John Claude Van Damme classic so Blood Sport. You mean the, the, the supposedly <laughs> true story it's, of Frank Dukes, martial artist who goes to a secret tournament in, in a foreign land to fight and break into some kind of fighting ring. It is the most ridiculous overtime movie. And there's a real guy who says this is his life story. The, the tournament is called Kumite. Kumite. The villain. Spar. The villain is Chong Lee. <laughs> I'm not lying. It does mean real, real life kickboxer Chong Lee, who was a, like a bodybuilder and kickboxer. Yeah, impressive guy, looking dude. He is a huge impressive Chinese man. Scary, 
And uh, he, yeah. So what? What's your what's your uh, memories of the movie Bloodsport? I got two good ones already. Keeling it up, but Brighton, you guys hit it first. This movie is like all I remember hearing about for. This was the first, this movie's so bad it's good for pretty much my, my life. Where it was like, oh, have you seen this movie Bloodsport? It's terrible, but it's great. And it was like, how could that be a thing? I'm 10 years old. I don't understand what this means. And yeah, so the, it will always hold a special place in my heart, but it's, it's awful and stupid. Alright, dude, friend of the podcast, my brother Todd and I used to go down to the video vault and rent this <laughs> oh, on yeah. VHS. Because this movie is the greatest movie ever made. It's so good. It's so good because my favorite thing, number one, the sound effects. And I don't mean as in CGI. <laughs> I mean as in listening to Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie. Yeah. Because A, everything he says is unintelligible. But B, everything he grunts is music. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's the too. most over-the-top, ridiculous, I really want to be Bruce Lee thing ever. And you can tell they dubbed over part of his voice lines like to try to make it more possible to understand what he's saying. But he's playing an American secret agent, and you can barely understand what he's saying through the accent. It's like, come on, dude. What are you doing? Well, and because of that plot point, it basically, not only did this movie launch the career of Jean-Claude Van Damme, and then brought him closer to Kickboxer, which I'm really proud of all of us for not mixing Bloodsport and Kickboxer up. No, totally but, different franchises. But it also... By the way, they rebooted Bloodsport, which is part of why I did this. There's oh. a Bloodsport reboot in theaters now. You, you should probably see it, because it's probably just as Or great. just rent the original Bloodsport that we're talking about. But also, this... <laughs> and put it on a projector. This role prepped Jean-Claude Van Damme for his Oscar-worthy performance in Street Fighter. <laughs> is 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 Street Fighter on the list, Nate? In your head, uh, well, I don't know. I think Nate's probably going to think of this oh, an hour there's before a, there's each a podcast. Tentative, there's a tentative list, but, uh, but you will probably know one movie that's coming. What? So, here's the second thing, though. Here's the second thing that you have to remember about this, and that is that it's a series of setting up the exact same situation where he has to fight in honor of blank. And it's not like <laughs> each progressive movie he has to fight in honor of someone. It's within the same movie. They keep giving him a new person to fight in the honor of. Yeah, it's like First, he broke into some Japanese dude's house. And then the Japanese dude's kid dies. And he has to fight in honor of the kid. But then his like sensei dies in a flashback. And so now he has to fight in his honor. Until the only other American... No, that guy's, who's, I thought that guy was Canadian. No, that guy's no, American, American because okay. he has a Harley Davidson Oh, he's Canadian <laughs> Real life. He's Canadian, Canadian in real life. life. Yeah. And he also and he also had a guest spot as Cody's friend in the show Step by Step. Oh, but that's not Kevin. Um, Kevin, too deep, Kevin. But they bond over a oh really bad God. arcade game, and uh, then he ends up. By the way, spoilers. Um, he ends up being <laughs> near killed by Chong Lee, thus forcing yeah. John Claude Van Damme to fight him. And to earn back his Harley Davidson is, bandana yeah. that Chong Lee took, yeah, was which say, was his chi. That's Chong, really the thought of Lee, Chong Lee takes the bandana like it's like some kind of like scalp. You know, he takes the bandana and he ties it around his leg, I think. Kumate. Just so Kumate. They all Kumate. Kumate. Uh, my favorite parts of the movie, though, one. Uh, Forrest, there's a side plot where Forrest Whitaker and oh, another incompetent secret agent right. are trying to catch up to Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. and there's like a chase scene where they're like running over rickshaws and Jean-Claude yes. Van Damme like just casually stands there and then all starts and get the bus passes by and he runs a different direction. It's and a stuff. full Bugs Bunny and chase scene. it's so <laughs> stupid. It, it's so funny though. And then at the end of the chase scene of course Forrest Whitaker and the other secret agent like fall in the water and get, get to swim out. And stuff. To it's this so day dumb. I see that and I'm like 
Boris Whitaker's in this? Yes. That guy's super respected. What? <laughs> and he plays like this super angry all the time, anal retentive, uh, like MP. Yeah. <laughs> and then my second thing about this movie is Jean-Claude Van Damme splits, man. Those splits. That is hardcore. Deep splits. He just gets in that split on those two chairs, and you know they were in some kind of production meeting. He's like, do you know what I can do? Check this shit out. And he just gets up on the two chairs and does the splits, and they were like, that's in the movie. That's gotta be in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) But but, in every movie afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, but there had to only be one of those meetings, right? Where they were like, okay, that's in the movie, because what else, what else is even in the movie? Like, why is Jean-Claude Damme, blah, blah, blah. Why is Jean-Claude Van Damme learning how to fight without seeing? Like that was that's a kind of like another key plot point of the movie is that he at some point learned how to fight without seeing. So he when Chong Lee tries to cheat and like throws dust in his eyes. You're or ruining whatever. the movie. Now that now they watch it, they already know what happens. Dude, if this they didn't bad. watch it, I'm spoiling a 25 year old movie. I think I think every one of the movies on this uh, on this segment should be in the if you haven't seen this. As long as uh, he can see it, he can land a punch if he can right, see so, it in his mind's eye. So Get Seahawks Nest um, recommends you see Bloodsport. Right? Bloodsport. We recommend you see it and enjoy it, not because it's good, but because it's so great. So tweet us about the Seahawks or about Bloodsports. Kevin, what, where can, how can they contact us? You can hit us up on SoundCloud. We're Seahawks Nest. Uh, that's both the uh, Seahawks Nest podcast and the Quick Shot podcast. You can hit us at on. You give us an email. Uh, we're podcast at fromthehawksnest.com. Find us on Twitter at Seahawks Nest. You can find us on Facebook. We're the Seahawks Nest. And you can catch us on uh, TuneIn. Stitcher. Stitcher. iTunes. iTunes. Subscribe on any of those. Whatever one's your favorite. I don't care. Rate Just us. Subscribe like and give us, us a rating. Share us. You know, get the word out. Tell a friend that you found this really cool Seahawks podcast that talks about B-movies. Yeah, we're building a community <laughs> and we want you to be part of it. There's no ads. We're better than sports uh, y- radio? Yet, yet. Not yet. No, well, not now. Don't worry. I've been insulted Comcast gonna, earlier. Here, let me spec a few ads, though. Um, <laughs> so, we, no, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that again. <laughs> For Nathan Santo, Kevin Garber, Brett Hancock, I am Eric Ronnebeck. Go Hawks. Are you at it?